Welcome to Hemp Logic Radio, where we attempt to sift facts from opinions in this upside down world of industrial hemp. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Corey. Good morning, Corey. Good morning, morning. morning. This this is uh, Corey Sharp and uh, John Tucci from uh, Hemp Logic Radio with a very, very special guest, Corbett Hafner from Formation Ag. Good morning, Corbett. It's going to be hard to make up the hype there. Morning. (laughs) (laughs) We were just talking before we got on air, and I was telling him I'm more excited about this show than I think I've been for any show that we started, even the first one. So uh, really super awesome. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun today. It's going to be a lot of fun. So you're, you're you're out in the yard setting up my tractors, right? I was. I just walked in, so it wasn't so loud. Oh, well, I'm so, hoping to get some tractor noise in the background. Oh, well, I can walk out there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather hear that. No. We all would. Play the video I just sent you of him running, then, then you'll feel good. You send it by email or did you send it by a text? Text. text. Oh, well, it hasn't come. I can email it too. It hasn't come. It hasn't come through yet, and I couldn't get the one you emailed me to open up on my phone, so we'll figure that out. Um, so anyway, Corbett, um, good to have you on the on the show. Uh, I've known Corbett now three plus years. Uh, he's he's uh, the kind of the, the the brains behind the man behind the curtain when it comes to uh, the equipment side on Formation Ag. Uh, Corbett, Corbett and I met three years ago. Um, he stayed. Formation Ag. It's actually it was another company then came up and and met with us up here in, in Washington State, and uh, I don't know a friendship kind of formed out of the whole thing. Believe it or not, um, usually I don't I don't gravitate towards uh, super smart people, but uh, for some reason Corbett. <laughs> Corbett Let me know when you find I, one. <laughs> so anyway, Corbett, uh, I guess let's let's start talking a little bit about this harvest problem that we're going to be having coming up and what you're, uh, you know, why don't, well, why don't you talk a little bit about what you do? And, yeah, tell us uh, about formation agriculture. Tell us about formation yeah, agriculture before we go. Sure. You know, we, we started in, in 2015. Uh, our main business is, is um, fluid pumping uh, solutions. And we make, you know, large, large scale pumps and we have a, a fab shop at the other plant. And in 2015, when oil prices went down, we said, man, we've got a whole pile of people here. What do we need to do? We're not letting them go because we've got really good, talented people here. So we started looking around and at that time I wasn't on board, but one of the other salesmen said, hey, what about this thing? We happen to be in the middle of this hip deal starting in Colorado. Oh. So, yeah, I'm still there. Yeah, I can hear yeah you. I'm still here. Kind of, we cut out. We cut out. Okay. Clear. I don't know how much. No, you're but, good. No, we started. Yeah, we started. <clears throat> we built two pieces of machinery. We looked at the hemp market and saw a couple of bottlenecks and a couple of of areas that we thought we could fabricate machinery. So at that point in time, people thought they could combine, you know, for CBD flour just as they're growing a grain crop and. And harvest or if they were just growing CBD we could collect the chaff coming out of a, a combine so we built a, a chaff collection machine an autonomous piece of equipment that just got towed behind the combine that's the grasshopper machine with wireless control it's a pretty slick big machine um, and that was their first foray into harvesting and then the second thing we saw was was um, the corticating so we started studying that and went back to the, the patent record and found Slickton's machine. And, you know, if you've studied the history, you see that uh, Slickton kind of started the whole downward spiral in hemp with, with his decorticator. And his main concern back then in the early 1900s was deforestation. So we saw that. We saw that it worked. And we thought, you know what, let's build one of those guys. So they did. We built the first prototype 660, fiber track 660 machine. And then I came on board right after that and looked at the harvesting process that, that second year and said, boy, we're missing the mark here because as an oil farmer, 
we're more worried about that trichome and not rupturing it and damaging it. And how are we going to do that? And that's where our clean cut header came from is the solution, uh, you know, to harvest the crop without damaging it. And so far that's been working quite well. And people understand it when we go around and talk to them. And, you know, once you show a, a group of farmers what they're trying to farm and not that they're farming foliage, that they're farming this droplet of oil, they go, oh, I get it. I can't beat the crap out of it and expect to have a great return on the, on the investment. You know, we're looking at what's your return per acre? We, you know, the, the CBD content's interesting, but what was your return per acre? I don't want to see a guy test two buds and go, yay, I got 20% content. I want to know what an acre yielded them. That's kind of the goal yeah. of our equipment, large-scale stuff. We make big machinery. The smallest cut width we make is eight and a half up to 24 foot. And we can cut from, you know, ground level to as high as you need to go. That machine we got running in Lithuania is, is 10 feet off of the ground, harvesting tops, because they planted a more of a dual-purpose crop, I would call it. Yeah, more of the fiber, the fiber variety, and then trying to pull that four and five, that four and five percent off the top. That's what they're trying to do. Right. So what? So I, I, I get a lot of guys that will tell me, well, I don't, I don't need you. I don't need anything like that. I'm just going to go and custom make my. I'm going to take my my swather header and just retrofit it. Is that something that is is even possible? You know the. <clears throat> main structure on a swather or draper or any of those things does not have enough of an opening on the exit side or in the case of a swather if you want to go underneath if you're doing a large plant it just won't fit underneath the machine and then you're dragging it over the oil and you know potentially have hydraulic fluid all over it you know people got to remember you're making a direct consumable product right somebody's going to eat this sure. and <clears throat> Nobody wants to eat hydraulic fluid. Nobody wants to eat diesel fuel that's spilled out of a leaky filter. Um, but, you know, if you run that underneath a swather or combine, look at the ground clearance. So you got, let's say you're cutting seven, eight-foot tall trees, and they're 70 inches in diameter. So what happens when you run it under a, a you know, machine that's only got 20 inches of clearance or 30 inches of clearance? It's going to roll it around underneath there, roll it on the dirt, roll it on your machine. And that's some of the things that, you know, they, they, they think they're going to hand harvest this. And then after spending three days with a chop, with a, with a machete in their hands, they realize that they've, they're, they're about to get their lunch eaten. And I thought they've only doing it on 40 acres. So it, what you're saying is that you're built, you built a header that can come into the field and do that machete chop not necessarily a machete chop, but it, it cuts the plant down and it gently picks it up, puts it on a conveyor, and either puts it in a truck or something that I'm going to do is I'm going to put it directly on the ground for another purpose. Mm-hmm. Is that Correct. pretty much right? Okay. Yeah, we're trying to generally harvest the crop, get it down on a draper belt, and lift it up into a truck so that you can get it out of the field and get it contained. You know, that, that can vary with your environment and your climate. Some places can dry outside, some places can't, and you got to get it inside, but... You know, at the value of this crop at the moment, taking care of it is a big thing, right? You want to you want to make well, some money. You know, since doing kinda, all this work it, and then destroying it. I, I, I was I was out on a field. I was out on a field just a couple of days ago, and uh, an equipment company showed up, and they didn't know who we were, but they stopped and were talking to me. Come to find out, they were the Kloss Chopper representative. And sure. I, you know, and and they're like, I, I said, oh man, that's a disaster. Um, and he looked at me with that incredulous, how dare you? And I said, look at this. And we were out in the field, and I said, see all these little trichomes right here. He didn't know anything. I mean, it was literally he was a cloth. Mm -hmm. All he was was just promoting the cloth shopper. And I said, look at these trichomes. And there was a, there was, it was a plant that had matured early. And I said, see all these little crystals right here? And he goes, yeah. And I said, when you run it through your chopper, they disappear. And that's what you want. And then I said, let me guess, you're, you're wet bailing this. And he goes, well, some of it. And I said, okay, uh, we haven't, <laughs> once again, that's another, you're making silage. You're running it through your chopper. You're running it through a, a wet bailing system. And you expect to pull CBD content out of that. And he just looked at me with this, oh, no. And I looked at him and I said, look, if you've got friends that are doing this 
don't let your friends use the cloth chopper. And he just looked at me. He didn't, he didn't say that I was crazy. It was more of a, mm-hmm. oh, Enlightening. no. Enlightening. Enlightening. Like, oh, so, no. What, what yeah. am I doing? Corbett, so, I, I, I talked to Randy in the past, and he said that you guys had, had taken a pre-harvesting test and then used your equipment and took post-harvesting tests and only lost a very, very small amount, if any, uh, of the uh, integrity of the CBD. Is that something that you guys have yeah. done? Yeah, we have. We've got tests from pre-harvest and then post-harvest out to five months just to show you know, there's a, there's, and you know, people are still studying this, so take it for what it's worth. Um, we're showing over a five month period on this crop, and, and we stopped at five months because they sold everything. Statistically, no degradation in the process. So wow. we've got before we harvested, we've got after we harvested. Uh, coincidentally, it happens to be a lot of the video from uh, the San Luis Valley last year that was this crop that we tested. Mm-hmm. Statistically, near no change. So that just kind of validates the point. If you're gentle on the crop, you have the opportunity to maximize your return per acre, which is what the farmer you're interested in. Yeah. You know, that's your input cost per acre and revenue per acre. And then you got your gross margin, your net, and figure it out from there. Did you make money or did you not? Spot checking the CBD content to me make you feel good for a minute. Right. Uh, but did you actually make money over the year? That's what you're interested in. Are you going to have Correct. to go get an operating loan last year because you lost your shorts? Because you, you know, <clears throat> just because the, you can chop this crop doesn't mean you should. You betcha you can chop it up in little pieces and get it off your field and you feel all great. Uh, everybody that we've run into that said they've done that, uh, their oil content post chopping, whether it was wet baled or dried, comes out somewhere around one and a half to two percent. Wow. So you spend wow. all of that time and money in the field growing a crop. I mean, we were just in Oregon at that show. Guys said they're up to in between twelve and $14,000 per acre, and they haven't cut yet. Um, so why would you spend all that time and effort and come out at 2%? Your dry content growing like that, if you're on average is two, you know, 2,000 pounds, and right. you're going to have a 2% crop. So it's pretty easy math. And at today's CBD prices, did, did you rake any money? You, you wow. took a shortcut in harvesting and lost it all. Yeah, I, I I had a guy last year we were talking and he said uh, that he had he had started with a 15% in the field and he got out of the field at nine and he was really happy about that and I think a lot of it and if you'll say uh, with the harvest Armageddon coming that that's probably a good thing that he got out of the field with his nine but he ran it through a combine yeah. and so he mm-hmm. ran it through a combine left six percent laying on the field. And he was just pleased as punch. So, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be the same way. They're going to be, I don't care if we, you know, I started with 20 and I ended up with, with eight. I'm, I'm ecstatic because I got out of the field. But Correct. Uh, it, yeah. So, did you maximize your return? Could you have done better? That's exactly. kind of the point. Yeah, you, yeah, you can yeah. combine it. You can run it through a combine, but you better know what you're doing because there's a trick to it, by the way. Uh, and you know, hemp in grain form or CBD form after it's dried, and you're down in that eight to ten percent range when you can actually combine it. Uh, you're going to drop some leaves and buds off with the pickup head. It's just it's just physics. There's nothing you can do when you impact that. You're going to lose a couple of things, unless you're super gentle on it. Uh, and then you know, through the combine, if you don't understand that process and understand how to set one of those up you're going to have more degradation and there's not a heck of a lot you can do it. We did it for two years in a row. That's how we learned, you know, that, that the impact on that is, is what causes the degradation. A lot of people thought degradation happened over time and that may be true. Uh, but our contention, my contention is most of that degradation you see happens immediately at harvest and they don't really know until they start selling their crop or testing it again, post harvest and drying and, and extraction what it is, but I think most of it happens immediately during harvest. That's that's what we're kind of starting to formulate and see. How about the drying effect, the, the drying process? I'm, I'm, I, I have to think that has a, a, a effect on degradation as well, if it's not dried properly. Well, yeah, if you crank up the heat, you sure can have some degradation there. Drying technology is going to change 
drastically in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. Um, we've got companies that want to work with us. We've been working on drying too. Talk more about that, Corbett, because everyone, you know, the, the, you get the dryers. I mean, I posted that video of the 240 acres that was no harvest plan, and I got a bunch of dryers. Oh, we've got a dryer. We've got this. We've got that. I lost you there for a second, but. He was talking about the dryers. Uh, um, you know, talk talk more about the, yeah. dry, the drying technique. That's a key key component i mean you've got everything from the the tried and true hang it up in the building uh, technique um you know if your scale allows that but you know these these, there's a certain group of of people going around signing farmers up to to try to farm this crop in a more of a horticultural model and they think they can drive these large acreages in small volume buildings and it just doesn't add up and you know until you cut this crop the first time and see the bulk um, right. It takes to store that. For instance, we had a guy from Oklahoma last year, dead set he was going to do 600 acres this year, and somebody had told him, and I, I get this story quite often, that you're going to grow 600 acres and you need 15,000 square feet to dry it. So I said, yeah, I don't Whoa. think you're quite getting the scale of this thing. And it happened to be right during harvest here. So he drove out here. I said, come here. I need to show you something. Like we're from Missouri, <laughs> right? So he came out. Uh, one of our farmers happened to have cut 15 acres and had put it in his parking lot while he was transferring it into his storage because they right. can dry here in potato cellars. That 15 acres took up about an acre and a half of space, you know, horizontal ground space in his parking right. lot, right, right. Um, four feet deep. So you can wow. do the math on that. So the, the way this crop was farmed, that is 18,000 cubic feet of space to store an acre. If you're uh-huh. Thousand cubic feet per acre, depending on how you hang it. Um, potato storages, you know, we, we have people putting stuff in onion storages out by you guys. The hops kilns seem to work well. I was talking to Randy about that in the past. Yeah, it, they work. There's people that have bought the old Kmart buildings and hung cables and, and are compressing the, the product in there to dry it. So that does work. Then you've got a whole slew of these uh call them containerized mess belt dryer deals those are kind of interesting but to get this crop into into a commodity maybe that's the wrong word but to, to get it into a scale that's going to match the consumer pace in the u.s a 200 pound an hour machine is not very interesting you know a 2,000 right. pound an hour machine is not very interesting some of the larger ones at the moment that are viable than have actually run are only 15,000 pounds an hour and they're fixed in a, in a facility, that's that's getting there. But you know, when you're when you're cutting at at five, six, seven acres an hour, you could be pulling in a hundred to hundred and forty thousand pounds of green matter an hour. So now what do you do? You stop harvesting for the moment until your dryer catches up, or you have multiples of the dryer to get to that volume you need. So, but people are coming up with dryers. There'll be some in the field this year that'll do somewhere between. 70 and 140,000 pounds an hour, 150. We'll just have to see. And how long, and how so long would that take, process take? Is it, uh, not, not how long. Um, how much would that cost? I mean, the cost, and I, I've seen prices, cool. uh, 450 a pound for drying, 650 a pound yeah, for drying. Somewhere in that range. This is going to be in the three per pound range, probably. Mm-hmm. That's what they're they're theorizing. You know, you can pencil it, but until you put it in practice and see what it does, that's a different story. Right. Um, and I got to believe that's going to degrade the integrity a bit too. Oh yeah, I mean that. It, you're going to have to have it in certain areas of the U.S. You're going to have to have some sort of really nice drying technique uh, to to get the crop off. What about Especially drying in the oil. field? How, how far can you go in the field with it? I guess I guess that's depending upon where you're at as well. It depends on where you're at and what your risk tolerance is. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you really like the weather and you think it's going to be favorable, then yeah, you can get away with it. Um, you know, and even a little bit of rain is not going to be the end of the world. Is you know, big downpour soaker might be a problem. Then you'll have to flip it, and then you're going to have some degradation there for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, just from the mechanical handling, you, some of our larger farmers here swear every time you move that crop or impact it, you lose half your oil content. And they've wow. seen it. I mean, they've done it. So, not that you and, can't and, do it, and, but sometimes you have to. 
and, and it's amazing, Corbett, that uh, I spent so much time uh, uh, looking for good genetics. You know, everybody wants high CBD, low THC, the best genetics. And they spend time and money and a lot of due diligence looking for the seeds. And they never, I don't say they never, but rarely have they planned for this part of it. And, you know, I, I, you know we do the consulting and we hear, uh, you know, what's your harvesting plan? And they're, they're telling us they're going to use conventional equipment. They're going to use their tobacco machine. And gonna, we have stuff. You know, then I say, well, what about the degradation and, and, and of the CBD? Have you thought about that? And, you know, no one really thinks about it. No one knows about it. There's not, no one talks about it like you, you have with hands-on experience. And I, I'm shocked to learn it, you know, one to two percent that it goes down to that. I mean, that, that's a whole, uh, that, that's just a waste of time almost, it seems like. It, they don't have any planning. Uh, in place before they put the seeds in the ground. Uh, we're getting calls today, and I'm sure you probably get a lot of our referrals. Uh, can you come harvest when we find equipment? And they're calling us now for for, for tomorrow. So um, we, we we anticipate a big bottleneck, I guess. Oh, I agree. It's it's going to be. Uh, we're we're still taking a few or, a couple orders here and there, stragglers. We decided to make a few more. A couple of weeks ago, we thought we were done, but what's your turn? We decided we try to. Oh man, I'm trying to get stuff out by by second or third week of October, but everybody wants it the first of October. But we took on a few extra just for people that might be in real bad shape and 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 need some equipment just to help them out. We want farmers to make money. I don't want them to have anybody have issues. Exactly. But, yeah. You know, we we've been making. Yeah. yeah. We've been making machinery really fast, as fast as we can with the crew that we've got. You know, we built a, or bought a new building and moved and basically started cutting metal the last part of April and have just been getting after it ever since. And I wish I could make three times as many to help people out, but we just can't. You know, there's long lead time items on some of this stuff we just can't get. Right. I had a guy yesterday, you know, want me to guarantee an October 15th delivery. And I said, I can't do that. That would be a bad business decision for us to do because this guy was, you know, he had an attorney with him. And I thought, yep, this is a perfect <laughs> trap. We're going to be a day late and they're going to charge us a million bucks. Exactly. So I, I would prefer to pass on the order. And he, he kept pressing after 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it was of impressing me. I said, you know what? I'm not trying to be too uh, abrasive, but it's really not my problem. My problem is protecting my business at this point because you're trying to get me to agree to something that's not viable. Right. Uh, the problem is yours. I mean, the, the machinery I'm building now was ordered in November and December and January. It's people that planned ahead. And, you know, Correct. I stood up at NOCO two years ago <clears throat> on the TV there. I'm, I met that you was there. In, uh, yeah, that was in April uh, two years ago, so 20, 2017. Mm -hmm. And, um, I asked people, I, or somebody asked me, and I said, you know, if you haven't ordered your machine now for harvesting, you're pretty much too late. And they all kind of looked at me funny. And then we yeah. started getting calls in June, July, and August for first of September, mid-September deliveries. And I, I told everybody I can't do it. We'd like to, but it's not possible. Machinery doesn't appear, and we build the order at this point in time because the industry is just so new. Um, and we're going to keep innovating things. I'm not going to build a bunch of inventory. That's just a bad idea from a business perspective. So we haven't done that. And, and that's uh, because, you know, that's because, and I would think that's because your jewelry's still out on a lot of the technique, right, Corbett? That's why you're not uh, uh, creating a bunch, uh, a bunch of inventory because you, I would think you're going to be, uh, you know, troubleshooting, I guess, some of the equipment and, and fine-tuning it. Is that, is, is that why? Well, we've already started a design review process for 2020. So we've got a list of things that, you know, as we put machinery in the field, okay, everything works pretty decent. We're pretty happy with what we've got. It's an improvement over last year's model. And those work well, too. Um, but we, you always I'm see... Back. I'm back, guys. Okay, good. good. <laughs> but you, uh, we're talking about the design iteration and why we don't build inventory. But I was saying, you know, we, we, we ride these things. You know, I go out and run a whole bunch of them, and my, I'm sending my engineering guys out because I've got some of that this year. Um, what do you like? What do you don't like? Let's make a change. Can we make it easier to manufacture? Can we make it less expensive to manufacture? Said, I mean, our number one thing is we want farmers to make money. You mm -hmm. know, if I, it, there's just 
that's why we use the tractors. There's zero sense in going, you know, to Europe and buying one of those machines that's not meant for CBD harvest, by the way, that you see everybody online looking at the videos. Right. Uh, you spend a million and a half, two million bucks on a machine that, that sits for 11 months out of the year. To me, that's crazy. Every one of these bigger farmers owns a tractor of some sort. That's why we build them on those. We're going to have machines that we're going to mount them to combines. Don't get it confused. We are not going through the combine, but we're going to use those as the power unit. We will have oh, some okay. on swathers as the power unit uh, because that's how they're farming. That's what they're choosing to power them with. Um, we made the machinery generic in the rear for the adapters so that we can bolt that stuff on to give people those kind of options. Does that make sense? So and then we're updating our hydraulics so that we can run it with just a couple of hydraulic codes instead of uh, four pairs. Uh, but that works great for a tractor. But a guy running a, a swather has only got two or three ports available. Um, so we're we're trying to simplify that and make, keep making improvements. Um, we've got a, a pretty fancy option that will match the real speed to your ground speed. Uh, if, if that's something that, that people want going forward, that we're just um, working it's on amazing. an engineering here. It's so it's amazing what has to go into it. Uh, the design process is quite long. I mean, we spent three and a half months on it this year to get to where we are. And, you know, there's some really highlight things that we like, and there's some stuff that we're, we're surely going to improve on because we learn constantly. You know, it's like people, I tell it's, people, it's, it's, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're, we're the only, as far as I know, you always qualify it with that. We are mm -hmm. the only company that only engineers for hemp harvesting and, and processing. This is all we do. Um, I, I can tell you, I, I can't find nobody. No, no one else can. No one else can find what you're doing. But I was gonna, I was gonna commend you on the on the amount of uh, what would you focus that you're putting on, on this part. That it's, it's so important that it's it's quite overlooked until you know when they once they get the results. And not many uh, the, there's not many people who have results because it's their first time. And uh, the cowboy mm -hmm. attitude uh, with some of these harvesting plans, it's really gonna bite them in the butt. And to to know that you know, your team's out there doing this and focusing on it and, and problem solving, it's it's going to uh, you know it's it's going to uh, make make a big difference in the end product. Big big difference. We hope so. Yeah. We're we're trying to learn. You know that's why we're we're trying to find areas and and farmers that are going to try to do multiple crops a year because that just doubles up the speed at which we can innovate and and learn. We're going to learn something, you know, everywhere we go. Uh, every different kind of variety that we run into that's been planted, they may may not harvest the same. So, we, you know, it's the 80-20 thing. We try to engineer for everything that we know of today, but that doesn't mean that uh, we're going to run into something that is uninspected. Uh, Correct. You know, it's, it's, really hard to, it's really hard to plan. And as genetics change and people realize that, that the way you can farm uh, for CBD oil, for oil production – is going to dramatically change, you know, where we are here in Colorado and the Valley here, uh, you know, this is the sixth season that they've grown CBD crops and the farming practices, the cultural practices that have evolved over six years uh, versus if you go to a state that this is their first year, it, it's pretty dramatic. The, yes. the, one of the I, first I, things the guy does after planting 72 inch row spacing is cut it down to 40 or 30 because the hand weeding <laughs> and the roguing is just a nightmare. I mean, yeah. there's people here that are paying 20 bucks an hour. Not everybody, but some people are. There's companies that cater lunch for a hundred hand crew every single day wow. uh, because that's what it takes to keep and retain their people because they've got right. good people and they want to keep them working. Um, Corbin, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that right now. I'm doing that right now. I yep. mean, we talk about the weeding and the weeding, you know, it's a it's a slog, and so I know exactly what you're you you might as well just say, yep. well, Corey's doing that. <laughs> and, and and to talk yeah, about but you have to. yeah, to talk and, and you can tell we I can tell by the uh, consulting uh, people that, that are in areas that have been farming longer, the learning curve and the uh, experience and the and the problem solving is completely different than people starting, uh, you know. From you know their first their first grow, so yeah, like you said, uh, Colorado is, is is a little further up up the road six, by six years, and it's amazing the 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 learning curve and the uh, the lack of knowledge in surrounding areas of the country. It's just not there. Yeah. Uh, farmers they they treat it as a weed. 
They treat it as a weed. There's still some confusion on, on fiber versus CBD. Uh, Correct. It, it, so, uh, so let me ask you, Corbett, uh, how far down the, the food chain do you go? Do you get into, uh, after harvesting and drying, uh, do you, uh, what, what do you see the techniques for uh, getting the stuff off and, and uh, into the silage bags? What, what are people doing and not doing? Well, hand stripping is still, you know, the, the most gentle, easy way to do it. These, there's various bucking machines out there that work pretty well. And it, it all depends on scale. You know, we were talking about row spacing. Mm-hmm. Your seed cost dictates that. So just like in this bucking step, your scale will kind of dictate what you do. You know, we're doing larger scale stuff where we're agitating the flower away from the stem. We can separate the stem from the flower, uh, capture all the trichomes. And and through that, we're learning some pretty interesting things. You know, what what is the unit measure for CBD? It's, it's oil percentage by weight, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens to a CBD crop? when you remove some of the, what I, I call non-value-added components, what if you take the stock out of that? Right. You know, these guys that are chopping up 50 to 80% of the crop is, is a CBD stock, you know, because it, let's say just for round numbers, you got a plant that weighs 10 pounds when it's dry and you get a pound of flour, right? So it's 90%. Right. So what happens when you take that out? CBD is percent by weight. So your content's going to go up. So what we're realizing is maybe you don't have to grow a 20% CBD content crop and spend all that money on the high dollar seed. What if you grow a 10 and remove some of the stem? What is your net result after that? That's right. just a thought. Right. So, but in practicality, we are starting to see that. Because you're not With homogenizing some of these collection CBD. Take, techniques. You're not, Pardon? You're, you're not homogenizing the stalk and everything and once it's degrading the CBD. That's what that's, that's what you're saying. I think I think right. Yeah, you're get taking, it out of there. Right, you take it out. Extractors. That's not a value added proposition for extractor because it's, it it right. reduces their throughput instead of running you know 10 pounds of, of mixed crop that's half stock, half flour just for easy math. Let's Correct. say it's all flour. Let's say let's take it another step where we've figured out and got some equipment we've pieced together that we can take the seed out of there in case you got pollinated. Which is going to happen. We're talking to grow on the western slope here. Spent some big money on feminized seed. Has beautiful fields. It's it's his sixth season. He knows what he's doing. And a mile up the road, somebody put in a grain crop. Mm -hmm. Oops. Oh, I was reading an article on him. Yes. Yes. Did you see the Capitol Press? Did you see the Capitol Press yesterday? Crawford suing his neighbors. Crawford suing his neighbors. Hmm. Seth, well, Seth that, oh, that's the guy in Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, that's the big seed yeah, guy. He's, he's doing all his neighbors. Yeah. There was an article in the hemp industry today thing. A guy bought 4,000 clones out of Colorado, went back to, I forget if he was in Wisconsin or wherever he was, um, put the crop in the ground. Everything looks great. Vegetative state is going good. He gets to flowering stage and he goes walking his field and he says, wow, there's a male. Pulls it out and gets rid of it. Goes back. Wow, there's another male. Long story short, by the time he got to where everything had flowered, he had 50% males in a crop of clones. That's not wow. going to happen. Wow. So I don't know what that's, happened there, yeah, but the, the, that's you know talking about genetics and you know that. I think there's going to be massive lawsuits starting. You'll start seeing them in the next 60 days where people bought. Unfortunately. John, and this is, this is exactly why we never sold feminized seed this year. Right. We never sold feminized seed because I didn't want to get involved with somebody, third party telling me that it was uh, feminized seed. Then we turned around and sold it. They planted it, and then they're coming back on us and going, uh, well, hey, you know, we got, you know, 10,000 males, you know, we, we pollinated. So that's the reason why I know we could have done better, but uh, staying away from feminized seed was super important this year. So, so whoever was talking about the, uh, the uh, um, bucking and hand, hand, uh, hand shucking of, of, of the plant, uh, that's, that's another step that's overlooked in the process, in, in the project planning. Oh, yeah. That's labor intense if you're not prepared for it, big time. 
I mean, some people when they're doing larger scale, they'll have 100, 200 people in there for a majority wow. of a year hand stripping. Uh, those bucking machines, even though there's a machine, it's still you have to break it off and throw a stem in there. Uh, we've got machinery, though, where you load it with a front-end loader, uh, pick it up. And, you know, this, again, is in a plant environment. It's contained. That's that's kind of the key. You're in an environment where you can control the environment. That's the whole key behind this thing Right. is, is controlling that, that step, you know, in recovery of, of all of the material that you can possibly recover. So those are things that we're starting to, you know, innovate and experimenting with, and we're putting them in, and they seem to be working okay. So we'll keep learning. I'm not telling you it's perfect, but we're going to keep right. learning because we got to keep making those steps so that, uh, you know, the, the, the return to the farmer is good, the extractor's throughput is good, and the process right. just flows. But every time we do this, I brought it up before, food safety, food safety. Are you taking care of your customer as a producer? You know, at, at that level where you're getting the flour prepped for extraction, you know, if you're not thinking and starting to follow the American Institute of Baking, uh, baking um, procedures for food safety, you better start thinking about it. If you're, uh, you know, a, a plant that's just removing the flour, you know, that's your primus uh, third-party auditing steps, the farmer's gap principles, you better start thinking about that stuff mm-hmm. because the FDA is just waiting for somebody to make a mistake and then they're going to put all kinds of rules in. It's better to be ahead of the curve than behind it in this instance. Yeah. You know, what's your traceability? Can you prove that you didn't put chemicals? What are your soil testing? And not just nutrition or nutrition, you know, did you, did you test for heavy metals? Did you test for pesticides, herbicides, et cetera, before you put that crop in there? You got to go, you know, we say start with the sale of mine, but when you're doing that, I'm thinking, okay, I'm selling a food product. What, what did I put my crop into? Did I have some stuff in my soil that the hemp is going to uptake and, and pass on? Got to think of that stuff. Exactly. And the, uh, like, like we don't have enough to think about. You want to, it's, it's, uh, you, you, we get a lot yes. of emails and John, it's that people, Oh, you know, hemp's going to clean the soil and say, hemp's going to do this and hemp's going to do that. And sure. it's, it's like, okay, but you know, we're, <clears throat> If you're if you're planting in a if you're planting in a field that had wheat and corn and, and it's a rotational crop, uh, the chances of it picking up, there's no residual roundup in the in the soil. Nope, it's sure believe. good to have a piece of paper that says I don't have it. That's one of those steps. You know, here's here's my soil sampling. I planted the crop in a field that didn't have that. Yeah, because there's residuals on all that stuff, but it's sure better to cover your basis. Just to make and in sure. time, it's going to be mandatory, I would think, Corbett. So, like you said, if, if, why not start now and have all your be, be as transparent as you can, uh, and, and just keep track of, of your process, so you can mm-hmm. so you can prove what you're bringing to market. It, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I got it. I was going to say this product is lot traced all the way through. You know, the, um, we live in an area where they grow a lot of coarse barley, right? Mm-hmm. So. Right across the road from us is the Coors Elevator. There's 50 trucks lined up here dumping. So the farmer grows his barley, puts it in his truck. They bring it over here to the elevator. They throw it in this giant elevator. Now it's all blended. In the, right. in the instance of hemp, you're all the way through to extraction. You can lot track it the whole way. So why not take that step and make sure that you're providing a good product to the customer? Uh, that, that, that's what I was going to ask you. So, so, so the processing lab does not homogenize different batches from all over, like like you were saying with the barley. The, the, my my biomass goes straight on through on its own. Is that what you're saying? To the best of my knowledge, I mean, some people may do that. I don't know. Right. But the 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 contract manufacturers and extractors that I know, they run it in these batches by lots, you know, so they know where its origins were. Right. And, and I, so I guess I'm not saying it's not getting told. done, but I don't right. know. Right, I, I would think for tolling you must do that because that's one person's product. But yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, I want to know what I got. I don't want to yeah, know. We were talking about it yesterday. I'd, I'd be standing there watching it going in and coming out. <laughs> so, so there's a big, there's a big, this is a very educated. There's, a, there's, there's a big, um, uh, how could you say it? Uh, lack of focus on this part. Um, how important it is to preserve. The integrity of the CBCs you bought in, in the beginning of the uh, of your project, 
And all this can really uh, make or break all that effort if you're not doing it right. And let me ask you this. How about renting the equipment? People are calling, calling uh, us and saying, hey, can we rent it for, for the period? Are you, are you filling that kind of void? Is it, I mean, it, it's amazing. I, I'm, I'm just trying to hedge, hedge our bets because you know the calls are coming, Corey. The calls are going to be coming. Yeah, if we get people oh, asking I, if they can rent machinery, I just we don't have enough resources to rent that. And, you know, if I hooked up, like I just hooked up your two machines with that set up, I don't think I'd rent that out to to a guy. I mean, I, I spent several hours last year teaching people how to run tractors. Mm. I wouldn't mm-hmm. rent that to a guy because it's not – the guy's calling to rent is not probably used to running a $350,000 tractor. And you can make a huge mess in a hurry with that kind of a machine. Wow. Uh, I, I would be leery of doing that if I was the guy that owned that piece of machinery. Now, contact Harvest, where you've got your operator in the machine and you've got your uh, equipment in the field. That's a different story. If you choose to do that, have that. Or Correct. I think it's a great fit. Uh, and it provides a valuable service, um, you know, especially if you know how to handle, handle this stuff. Um, yeah, but, but, and back Corbin, to that said, food and safety. Said, go ahead. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off, dude. I, I'm no, no, go ahead. That. What I, my, I mean, yeah, my mind and my mouth overruns my mind. Um, you you said that clients have run their their headers. You know, you're talking about a three hundred fifty thousand dollars setup, uh, running it into you know running it into rocks, you know, running it down the road, breaking it off the front of the tractor. I mean, it's just. John, you don't want to rent this thing out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's my, that, that's my lack of knowledge, you know. It, 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 yeah. I'm, I know from the phone calls that I get, uh, just in the beginning process, when they were, you know, doing the seed purchasing and propagation and what's my spacing, my questions always were, how are you going to harvest it? And most of the time, we're going to use what we got, where we're going to hand harvest it, where we're going to figure it out, where can't you send someone? That's that's the answers I pretty much get. So, and mm. not just from the small people. You know, there's 150 acre guys out there, 100 acre guys, 80 acre guys that are planning to hand harvest it. We're you using can, conventional. But it takes bodies. Exactly. And and they overlook the part of taking it off the off the, off the stalk. And and I I I tend to believe you're gonna get a, you're gonna get everything in that silage bag. It's going to come come to a point where they're going to probably say, you know what, just put it all in the bag and let's just get rid of it. They do, but here's here's the problem with that chopping. You go through that thing now. You've you know, pigweed is a pretty nice little weed. Everybody knows mm-hmm. that's got those nice little black seed, different kind of oil. Uh, I watch guys cut nightshade, put it in there. Nightshade's poisonous to humans. Oops. Um, every weed you can cut in there. You know, even when we cut whole plant, uh, yeah, we might cut some weeds, but when they're doing the drying process, you can kind of rogue that out and get rid of that undesirable plant. Uh, you know, and you got to do when it's green because pigweed, if you haven't seen red pigweed dry next to a bunch of dried hemp, they look pretty darn the same other than the head. Oh. And if the head's fallen off, the stalk looks almost exactly the same. They, do, they don't decorticate the same, I can tell you that, and they darn sure don't have the same structural integrity uh, from a from a fiber standpoint, uh, once it's decorticated, different topic for a different day. But yeah, you, you got to be aware of that kind of stuff. Um, again, it, that's why I say, you know, what's your food safety? And then you know, think about it for a minute. You've got your hemp crop in there; it's been rained on. The wind blows, the dust blows. Every possible uh, bacterial, viral, whatever could have been blown into your field. That's the vector: was the wind and the rain, right? Right. Now let's say you're going to chop it. So there's 48 chopping blades on a on a Klaus chopper usually, and you can adjust the pitch of that a little bit by changing the RPM. So now you're cutting it, let's say, into quarter-inch pieces. So every time a blade's come around, let's come in contact with a, a salmonella, E. coli, whatever, listeria that's in your field. You've inoculated every single one of those pieces that just got cut, okay? Now it goes through the funnel going up to the fan. The launch speed out of a chopper is 400 miles an hour. Really? So that means wow. every single one of those little pieces, depending on how you got it set, has right. gotten a chance to be inoculated again. Now, you cut up a stem that was 50 to 80% of the you know moisture content, 
right? And that's mm-hmm. that's the that's your that's your capital that's your xylem phloem out of the uh, out of the uh, plant, and that's a great growth media for bacteria. It's beautiful. And then CBD oil, you know, the trichome, once that right. sac is ruptured, it's an even better media for growing vectoring, uh, uh, growing uh, pathogens. The CBD increases the, 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 the chance. And stuff grows on that well. Wow. So that's why we tried to be so gentle on it. That's just stuff that, that pe- I'm, you know, my education is plant pathology. Uh, my graduate studies and undergraduate was in bioagricultural <laughs> sciences. So when we're, we're looking at this, and I farmed all my life off and on, uh, you know, even when I was in packaging for 25 years, my neighbor was a certified seed potato grower. And just because it's fun and I love doing it, I did a lot of his spring um, tillage work and helped him with planting. And I did a bunch of stuff with his harvest, whether it was uh, corn, alfalfa, potatoes, because I love potatoes. That's just my thing. I enjoy doing that kind of work. So Wonderful. you think about that when you're out there on the farm, you know, and then I did packaging for potatoes, apples, onions, shrimp, walnuts, you know, food safety in a packing shed is a huge deal. My manufacturing plant for packaging, we went through the AIB, uh, just a, a slightly lightened up version of the same process that they use in chicken plants and, and meat plants. We had wow. all of those programs in place. So food safety you know, because we were making packaging for Walmart, Green Giant, Kroger, Target, everybody. Um, that's was the requirement to prove that they had food safe products going to their customers. Right. This is no different in my mind. This is almost worse because it's a, it's going to be consumed and ingested by somebody. Right. And tracking so, and tracing has to be has to be important. And like you said, you, you might as well get on, get on that path right now. And get, get your ducks in a row, and so you can. So it's it's going to come down the pipe. You know, it, it's really it, it's really we're lucky to have a person like you so so involved in the beginning stages and uh, doing what you're doing. I mean, it's, it, it, all the science and all the uh, you know. There's just I haven't I haven't talked to anyone so uh, focused on uh, this, this part of the, of the process. Man. Big time smart. I mean, we're, we're really fortunate. We're really fortunate. The industry is like fortunate. Said, smart. Yeah. I've just well, been exposed exactly to a lot of stuff. <laughs> That's I told awesome. you, man, usually, usually smart guys don't, don't don't come around me too much. And so I'm, yeah, you, I'm fortunate to be able to have this conversation. It, it, it's amazing the timing, you know, uh, in our lifetime that, you know, in this industry that we have the – the, the technology that you uh, that you have the focus and technology on this part because it's, it's it's widely overlooked widely overlooked how important the harvesting and uh, drying part of this process is we all spent time this past you know the beginning of this, the first season you know sourcing genetics that was a big thing I, I got the I got the best seeds okay then now what well they're too far away uh, the spacing's too far this and that okay we got that fixed you got all the males out of the field you got females now what Oh, we're just going to take it with our, our tobacco uh, 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 machinery, or we're just going to use this, or we're just going to use that, and that, and, and that's pretty much, you know, in a nutshell, the conversations I have. But the importance of this of, of this yeah. stage and the importance of the proper equipment at this stage is 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 un, under under explained, I would think, even from our, our perspective. You know, um, I'm going to reevaluate the way I talk to my uh, my farmers and 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 pretty much scream and yell and tell them. Figure this out before you put a seed in the ground, because you don't want one or two percent CBD. It's amazing. It's incredible. You know, you don't want that, and you don't no. want to make somebody sick, because you know Correct. those guys that are going to chop. They haven't sterilized and cleaned that chopper. I guarantee it. That'd be a nightmare to clean, mm. and you know they haven't cleaned out their silage trucks mm-hmm. and sterilized them. I don't see that happening. There might be some that are paying attention. But the point it's not of, that, of it's chopping not silage, I, I don't think yeah. it's negligence. It's just not, not being aware. You know, it's, they're not aware. Know. Exactly. The silage guy is cutting a crop, green cutting corn, hay, whatever the case is, to dump in a silage pit or to ag bag it or whatever they're doing mm-hmm. with the point of insulage to feed cattle. They're not right. worried about that. Just because you can do something, you shouldn't. It doesn't mean you should. You got to understand the process. Understand what your end goal is, right? Starts with the mm-hmm. sale. What are you going to sell? What am I selling? How am I going to get there? What do I need to do to make sure 
you know, if you haven't been in the fresh produce game, you're probably not thinking that way. Correct. You know, if you're not growing potatoes, potatoes are packed by lot. If you go into the grocery store and pull up a film bag of potatoes on the quick lock, there's a stamp on there that you can look up and find out where those came from. And they can tell you who, what, where, when, right. the origin of that bag of potatoes. You've got that here. So they can find out where it came from. You know, there was an article, I don't know, six, seven months ago. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on who it was. They went around retail stores and bought a bunch of products, tested it. Um, what was it? 75% of them had pesticides and herbicides in them. Mm. Uh-oh. Yes. Not supposed to do that. And, and, and exactly that. You, you, there's going to be people who are learning as they go. Farmers are learning as they go. Businessmen uh, trying to learn as the process goes. And they're not going to say, hey, you know what? This is no good. Let's 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 throw it away, so to speak. They're going to bring it down to market. They're going to bring it all the way down. I'm sure some will. You know, they're going to try to try to get it through. Just just as the case, I mean, it's a, it's it's not the same thing, but it's the same thing. I saw on the news last night all these vape cartridges that are going out. There's all bull crap in those cartridges. You can't track and trace the vape cartridges. Even the nicotine ones are having. They, they, they tested a bunch of these nicotine cartridges, and the uh, the uh, carrier the carrier uh, ingredient is just as bad as the uh, nicotine. Uh, so you, oh yeah. So, so you have to be, and I, you know, I would want to be if I was that guy. I'd, I'd want you to know where my stuff was, was was coming from. I'd want to do all my testing. It's like you said, sure, in, in the, it's a consumable in, product. Yeah, in this day of en- enlightened consumers, they're going to start asking that question sooner and later anyway. You know, these yes. guys that are buying those cartridges at the gas station, I sure hope they read the package and do a little studying to see where that stuff came from because – who knows? John and I, John and I formulated it in our kitchen, and we were in our garage filling up bottles. <laughs> exactly. You can do that. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, you're welcome to do that. Well, there's, there, I mean, it's, I've had, I've had people tell me that they bought something online and then it didn't work, and then we gave them something from a reputable you know, outfit, and they're like, "Oh, it actually worked." And I went, "Well, that's because it's my, it's the my Pablo Escobar." Story where Adam says, uh, "Hey, I gave him, a, you know, I gave him five bottles of, of stuff, and he he goes, hey, my mom really likes the stuff, but she got online and she can find it for twenty five dollars of, you know, thousand milligrams." And I said, "Well, I gave you the number to Pablo Escobar, and you're asking me what the guy on the corner street is selling." Correct. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's really, I mean, it's about connections, you know. So, well, it's, yeah, it's, when it's, I, it's about understanding what you're buying too. I, I get a lot of people say, "Well, I already have, I already have hemp oil." I go, "Yeah, you do have hemp oil. You don't have CBD. You have hemp oil. You're rubbing hemp oil, pressed hemp oil, on your elbow, not CBD oil mm-hmm. on your elbow." I get that. I get that a lot. But you know, and, and I also we get got, people we calling. Got, oh, real quick, speaking of calling, real quick, we got seven minutes. If anybody wants to call, if anybody's listening live and they'd like to call in real quick, we've got seven minutes left of the show. Uh, call 319-527-6201. I'm sure we'd love to talk to you, so call in and, and let's have a chat. We've got seven minutes left. Go also, ahead, uh, also, Corbett's uh, uh, phone number on the uh, formation-ag.com, F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N. Uh, hyphen ag.com the phone number over there is 833-849-6633 uh, go to their website ask them a question sign up for their newsletters they get a lot of, you've heard a lot of great uh, promising uh, information out there and uh, uh, start ordering now for 2020 if you can <laughs> yeah don't don't, oh, expect, yeah. We'll, we'll yeah, have don't, some... don't expect to walk in yeah no yeah call ahead it helps a little bit actually um yeah, we'll we'll start putting more video up that we've got machinery in the field and starting to go now. We'll go out and get video and uh, keep watching in about three or four or five weeks. There'll be some videos we'll post that'll just blow you away. Uh, some new technology we're working on. So we kept quite tight. So it, it'll be impressive, I think. And so far it's working way better than I thought it would. So you just don't know sometimes what's going to happen. No, yeah, but we're in, the, we're in the hat business. So yeah. you, you don't know what's happening. So what we try to do is, you know, gather all the information and the like-minded people and uh, 
you know, try to spread it around, try to, try, try to support the farmer, try to, try to protect the farmer and, uh, you know, get through the stubbornness and the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's not even, it's not a lack of education. We deal with very smart people. Mike, the consulting are very smart farmers, hardworking, mm-hmm. hardworking people. Uh, it's just a learning curve because, you know, I don't come from that background. So when I'm talking to these guys, I have to yield to their expertise and to people like yourself. Mm-hmm. And I can just facilitate the information and, and just point to how important some of these stages are. And uh, this, this hour talks really been enlightening for myself. Uh, I, I knew there was a problem, you know, I knew it was important. I just didn't know how detailed important and how, sure. and how, and how exact that you've got it down, how, how, how fine tuned you, uh, you are so, so quickly, uh, well, in the past three years, you've been doing it, but uh, it's very promising, and hopefully, people will get the word and uh, figure out how to how to get their CBDA out of the field properly and, and mm-hmm. protect the integrity. You know, and I've said it a couple of times. We really want farmers to make money, and hemp is giving the general farming population the opportunity to control, you know, a product line. This isn't a grain remodel crop where you grow it and take it somewhere, drop it off, and they send you a check. You have the chance as a, as a farmer here to be an entrepreneur and Correct. control it from sale all the way back through seed and really make, a, a, how do you phrase it, a great return for your farm instead of just taking what is giving to you. You exactly. know, you hear people growing $300 corn because that is what Unbelievable. Is. I just learned uh, that you, you can, a couple of years. It's horrible. Yeah, I mean, you know, a new combine. By the time you get all decked out and the headers and everything, you're half a million to five fifty into the yeah. thing. But yet, yeah. grain is is selling for the same price or less than it was fifty years ago. Combine, mm-hmm. you know, fifty years ago was how much? Ten grand, twenty? I don't even know. Um, but I know it was a lot less. You know, new but tractors. I spec out AR tractors for people. Uh, they're three forty to three fifty. What was that tractor fifty years ago? And if you're growing grain, your prices haven't changed a whole lot. Right, right, The milk right. guys are dying right now. This is a great rotational crop for a dairy guy. And like you said, you, crop. The, 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 the farmer can now become an entrepreneur. They can cut guys like me yeah. out to come there and grab gra- grab their stuff and broker their stuff and make a blind share of, of, the, uh, of the sale. These guys can, you know... I, I tell them I consult them. They're the new rock stars of the industry. If they play their cards right, mm-hmm. they, they don't they don't yield to that old time mentality where someone comes in and takes control of their operation. They don't mm-hmm. have to do that now. They just have to learn the process, learn the process, fine tune yep. their, their their grow, you know, get their genetics down, and do what they do the best as, as farm. And farm. don't let I, it, yeah. it. I tell people this is a cash rotation crop. You know, mm-hmm. you can't back to back to back to hemp for for into perpetuity. It doesn't work. Uh, right. Hemp is susceptible to disease and, and pests. Uh, so I look at it as a fantastic rotation crop. Here they're following hemp with potatoes, and it's suppressing nematodes. Who would have thought? Had no wow. idea that happened. And they're just studying the mechanism because they don't know where the nematodes go. Nematodes is a, a visual defect and an internal defect on potatoes for table stock. Right. Well, I just heard about that. Man, if you can mitigate that without a chemical control, wow. Right, right, exactly. Think about that for a minute. I don't have to go and buy and apply another chemical to a field. I can and do it, it by just changing my crop rotation. Wow. That's awesome. That is, and then that the taproot on the hill right, for guys. so long, it goes way down. So. Okay. So we got about uh, 90, we, we got 90 we seconds left. 90 seconds, Mark. 90 seconds so, left. So, um, you know, get, let let's – Wrap it up. Give, I'm going to give out formation-ag.com. That's Corbett's uh, website, and 833-849-6633. Go there. Just, like I said, sign up for a newsletter. Uh, go to our website, uh, uh, hemplogicusa.com. Fill out a contact page. You'll be in our system. You'll get our newsletters. You'll get copies of the, of the uh, blogs and the, everything we got co- coming on. Uh, we're going to stay in close contact, obviously, with Corbett and keep try to keep a, a, in line with his technology and his, his advancement, and, and you'll see some of his information in our newsletters. So this has been a so great, great learning experience. We got video. John, we got video coming out. I'm going to work on – he just sent me a bunch of video, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on that and get that posted up today as well. So I got video of our headers that the second part of the, the harvest system is, is on its way. So we're super excited, everybody. Thank you, uh, Corbett. I, I can't tell you how much uh, it means to me to have you come on and, and, and talk good. about this stuff. It's, 
It's very cool. Happy to do it. Happy right? to do it. Thank you so I'm, much, Corbett. Yeah, it's good to go right, out guys. and educate people and get them thinking. It's it's hugely important. Right. And we'll do this. We'll do this again. <laughs> we'll keep them informed. Thank you, my friend. All right. Have a great Thanks. day, guys. Signing off. All right, Corey. See you, Corey. Bye.